Holy Korean dominance. This is Flight Check Season 2, Episode 32. We're back once again at our normal time this week, 8 p.m. Wow. What a what shock. What an accomplishment on our part. No, we did like, that. Give what ourselves a Didn't know back. we did that. What a that. huge accomplishment. Uh, we're back once again talking all aspects of League of Legends as a whole with World's group stage finally behind us. Uh, and a dash of FlyQuest and NA discussion on the side, on tap for this evening. As always, my name is Sandy Toes, and to my left and my extra left are my fellow hosts, Noxwar and Curly Double Q. Gentlemen, uh, group stage, it's over, it's done with. Uh, how are you guys feeling after what was a long, painful... Uh, weeks one and two. I'm feeling very mid, if I'm going to be honest. Like, had some really hype moments uh, with the games I was able to watch this weekend. Like, I was able to catch a lot more live than I had in the previous week. And so, like, what I was able to watch were all really, really good. And then I got the results of the rest of the night, and I was always like, damn. Tough times for NA. But, like, at least we didn't go 08 and 18. At least every team was able to grab a win. So, like, I'm feeling pretty mid. Wish we could have had more. Wish things could have been a bit more interesting in terms of uh, the way Knockout's about to look. But, like, hey, still some really good League of Legends going For on. Sure. Nox, how about you? Eh, I mean, it was a depressing year for NA, right? Uh, we're on home soil. Everything, all the training, all the proving grounds, all the tier two tournaments, the proving grounds. Uh, I don't know. It, it felt like a year. It was like, man, this should be the one. This should be it, right? This is where we explode back in the scene and we really stamp our mark as like, we are a major region. And then it comes down to we go three and fifteen, taking two games off of Europe and one game off of the PCS, and mm -hmm. that's about it. Yeah. Um, kind of whimpered in the night, you know. Um, I will say I'm kind of used to it though. I mean, this is probably one of the worst ones we've ever had, but it also wasn't necessarily unexpected due to the way the format of the tournament worked out this time around. But, I mean, you can look at 2019 and 2020. Like, NA didn't have a single team make it into quarters those times either. Um, so, yeah, not feeling great. Probably the worst I've actually felt about NA in a long time, but at the same time, it also still makes the most logical sense because all these losses were to teams that were, like, better than us outside of like one and that's 100 thieves versus cfo's first game but yeah it is what it is i'm kind of ready to just cruise into off season because this off season is going to be interesting i've heard and uh ready to see where it goes from there yeah uh, i mean to your point about even a year like 2020 where no one got out of groups but even that year felt better because you had FlyQuest with the 3-3 I think Team Liquid... Took game off top. Yeah, Team Liquid also went 3-3. Didn't they have a tiebreaker to get out, if they, I recall they, correctly? They, they took a game off of every single person in yeah. their group, and then I do do what I still think is dumb tiebreaker rules, got matched against, their, in my opinion, their worst matchup of Gen G, and then just didn't make it out because of that one tiebreaker game. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, just tough all around, but this world's... I mean, just with the 9 and then... Yeah, the the one two week twos across the board, where the only none of those wins came against China or Korea. 
Um, even though some of the games looked close, like... Uh, uh, oh, shoot, who was really close? Uh, like, 100 Thieves. Thieves RNG was close. 100 Thieves came real close to beating RNG. Uh, Cloud9 kind of whimpered and failed. EG, I will actually say, had several very close games that could have gone the other way uh, and really shaken their group up a bit. Uh, I would actually go so far as to say EG looked better than G2 did um, in that group. Oh, yeah. Um, just overall. So, But just a tough scene. Um, but I think what we're going to hit on first is we'll kind of go over how groups ended up and look at quarterfinals, uh, and then we'll be hitting on what I'm calling the Great EU Collapse. Because, you know, look, never mind the fact that we went 3-15, and 15, EU also did absolutely horrifically uh, in Week 2. Uh, even Rogue, who somehow got out of their group, um, had a pretty rough Week 2. That was two. tough. Yeah, the 1-3. in three. Um for rogue and uh and otherwise so let's get into it so korean dominance is the name of the game all four teams from the lck getting it out uh three of them as first seeds in genji uh not damwon drx and t1 and I just feel like the LCK just has a real distinct advantage somehow in these best of ones. Uh, they are just able to play cleanly, play controlled, and they just put on such a great performance. Uh, Nox, for you, which of the four LCK teams getting out do you kind of have your eye on as maybe catapulted to the front as a new tournament favorite? I know people were a little down on Gen G after week one. T1 looks really good. Um, I mean, Damwon and DRX are there as well. How are you feeling about these teams? Dude, LCK, this time around, like, there's usually that one LCK team, like, yeah, they're clearly good enough to make the knockout stage, but they're probably going to get stopped in quarters by either another Korean team or by a Chinese team, right? This time around, it's like, holy shit. If it wasn't for the fact that uh, Genji and Damwon got matched up together, if we if we had a clear, like, quarterfinals where it was a Korean team against another team that wasn't another Korean team, like, I could see a world where this is four Korean teams going into semis. All four of these LCK teams look absolutely bonkers. Um, in regards to your question, though, I think... I know a lot of people were really on board with Genji in the beginning of the tournament and then that week one hit and they're like I don't know they don't look so good again for me that this week two this week two really solidified for me again like they look strong so out of all the Korean teams I'm going I'm back on board with Genji yeah Curly how about you how are you feeling there you know for me the one team that I keep underestimating is DRX, and they keep overperforming for my expectations. So what I, I think, at this point, I have to ride the DRX hype train as much as I can. Like, I think there's, in my book, at least a 75% chance minimum that they're going to be in the finals against, uh, you know, someone else. Like, 
probably JDG DRX finals is my biggest mm-hmm. prediction. Um, so yeah, I'm putting my money behind DRX because also every DRX game I catch, like everyone's like Deft in the Boys or like <laughs> PO6 popping off. Zika. Zika for me is the star yeah. player of uh, DRX. And then also I've always been a huge fan of Barrel as a support. And so I think this squad is just going to be taking like taking names as they cruise through knockouts, especially because also something I've seen historically is just groups that make it from play-ins to the knockout stage, they have that extra week of gameplay that's really making them be like, all right, we've got new ways to approach the meta. We're comfortable in our playstyle against these other teams. I consider making it through play-ins a bit of a buff. So, yeah, DRX has my So, mind. real yeah. quick. No, go ahead. The, the, uh... There's the Dade award, right? For like a player who you expected to come in was like super hype and then just failed to meet expectations. Like just completely busted and just did not go anywhere. Is there is there I'm trying to remember, so help me remember here. Is there an award for a player where you didn't really have any hype? Not that like you were down on him like oh this player is going to suck, but like you just didn't have any expectations for him and they like very pleasantly surprised you. Is there a uh, is there a name for that award? Ooh, that's a tough one. No, but we, we, we because if if there is not, I want to give that and name that award the Zika Award because mm. coming into this tournament, I don't think he was ever really talked about. I don't think he was really had he, he didn't really have any big expectations, and he's coming into this tournament and he's just looked dominant in pretty much every game so far. I've been super pleasantly surprised with how he's playing. He's looked great. And I think heading into the further knockout stages, he's going to continue to look good. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. I'm giving the Zika award <laughs> to Zika. Uh, he's he's deserved it. He's been awesome. Yeah, I thought I thought Zika really looked fantastic. Um, Deft looked really good as well. Uh, his Lucian play was incredible. The other player. In terms of Korean players, that really stood out to me um, was Ruler. Ruler looked absolutely incredible in Week 2. He just completely stepped it up. Thought he was stomping on the Lucian Nami. Uh, you know, him with Lahens. If you want to beat Gen G, the first step is banning Lucian. It, it just is. Uh, you cannot allow this man to get that champion. Um, and the fact that I think he he got it multiple times uh, on that final day, and that just, like, cannot happen anymore. If uh, Who are they supposed to They're supposed to play Damwon, right? Um, yep, they are. Damwon absolutely needs to ban the Lucian if they have any chance of either trying to win through bot lane or just literally win that series at all because right now it's based on performance i have gen g taking that quarterfinal uh all right so koreans korean teams completely destroying their groups uh (coughs) what team are you from korea are you most worried about heading into quarterfinals oh uh damn one Worried about? I'm not really worried Hold about any here. of them. I mean, <laughs> Hold on. When when you say worried, like, as in they are most likely uh, to yeah, fail? Yeah, so who's, which team uh, is most likely to lose, in your opinion? And I feel like, yes, Damwon is, like, the easier 
answer because they're going up against Gen G. But I mean, I'll remind you guys that DRX has to play EDG, who's no slouch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then T1 yeah. has to play RNG, who also looks pretty good, even with, you know, a crazy COVID bout uh, going through their whole team. I, I would actually like to point out that Gen G throughout this year has had notoriously bad series against Damn One. Like they were there was like clips of like Gen G players going, Thank God we, we dodged them in playoffs. Because that is apparently the one team that gives them trouble whenever mm. they run into them. So I think there was even a clip earlier today where like the both both teams were like showing their reactions to the group draw or whatever and they're all like oh man again no like they're both scared for each other even the fans are like oh shit we don't know who's <laughs> gonna win this right so i i really wouldn't count out damwon against gen g like i i know a lot of people are gonna want to say damwon's probably the easy choice here i don't know if that's it uh i think honestly my choice is going to have to be drx versus edg this is a world championship team from last year who looked very solid in the group. I the mean, same roster. I know they lost two two games to T1, which T1's looking incredible right now, too. Um, but I still think this EDG team is absolutely insane, and I think personally for me, that's the hardest of the matchups for Korea. Yeah, Curly, how about yourself? I mean, I guess uh, for me, I still think Damwon is like just most likely to fail because they have to face a fellow Korean team, and I think Genji is just looking hotter to me, but my second place, which I think I'd go more in depth into, is uh, T1. I think T1 into RNG is very much RNG favored because, as you said, even despite COVID bouts, they are looking really, really hot. And then I just think, I don't know what the overall record is for T1 versus RNG, but I know it's pretty even in MSI we saw, yeah. But in MSI, RNG was able to catch the dub, and I really do think they're just going to be able to bring that back over again for similar reasons too that drx is like kind of my front runner for korean teams it's like they were able to get through planes they were able to get through a lot of struggles like you don't think of rng as the fourth seed i just think of them as the msi uh title defenders because they've won it both years in a row so i think they're just at more of an advantage against Mm t1 uh than any other team against korea uh nox you kind of already got this topic started with your Zico Award. Is there <laughs> any player in particular from the Korean teams that you guys are going to be watching in particular to see if A, they either step up or um, if their high peak performance starts to trend downward from group stage? Uh, just not to repeat my answer, because it would be Zika, but if I had to throw another one out there, um, unironically, Faker. Um, Faker had a couple times during the group stage where, let's let's be honest, his team was carrying him a little bit. Not that he was being like a detriment, but it just Faker was not having the agency in a, a lot of the games that I was hoping to see from him, right? So uh, hopefully going in this RNG series, he's able to actually put himself on the map more and maybe hopefully dominate lane against the Xiaohu a little bit and kind of be the mid laner carry that he's known to be, right? Um, so, yeah, I think probably my second most watched Korean player will be Faker. Curly, how about you? Oh, man. I mean, it's tough because, like, 
I'm a big uh, showmaker fanboy in the fact that I really want him to be able to like prove himself and contend for that uh, GOAT title. However, in the last year or two, I haven't really seen that from him. But my money... I, I am going to do the easy answer. It's going to be Zika. I've, like, I talk about him every week of Flight Check International. He's always got some place in the back of my mind. And, like, if EDG, like, <laughs> let him get Silas even once, like, it's going to be a fun game. And I can't wait to watch that because his Silas is so, so beautiful, man. He looks like he shows how broken Silas can be. So, yeah, Zeke is my I'm definitely going to watch him very, very closely. I think for me, a player that I'm most interested in paying attention to is actually Dom Juan, a player. Kind of actually, I'm going to cheat here. I'm going to say their whole top jungle midside is what I'm interested in. Um, Okay. I just want to see how they perform as a unit. Um, I felt like they did fine. But I wasn't necessarily overwhelmingly impressed, if that makes sense. Um, like, do you think they're going to keep swapping out Bertle and Nuggery? Uh, I each, I hope they match? stick with Nuggery. Um, I I just hope that's the that's the play. Is it Nuggery? I, I don't even. How do you say it? Nuggery. Nuggery. I say Nuggery. Uh, but I yeah, I mean, Nuguri. Arkham I in know. the chat mentions, you know, yeah. We don't need no more burden. no burden, no burden. <laughs> uh, instead of Bertle. Uh, let's stick with stick stick with Niguri. Um, we know what we've got w- in him. It was kind of interesting. There was an interview somewhere. I think it was with Niguri himself, basically, and he was saying he's like, "Man, like, I, I, uh, I know the way I want to play the game, and I know I can be very good at the way I want to play the game." But the way they want to play the game is not what they need me to play. And so there's a lot of times where I'll try and push my advantages in certain areas when I need to be doing something else for my team. And so I, I, he didn't really expand on that too much, but like that was a little quote that was shown in the interview. I think it was with, uh, uh, oh my God, the, the wonderful Korean interview, her, whose name I'm blanking on. Ashley Kang? Yes, Ashley Kang. It was with Ashley Kang. And basically, he just it kind of gave the vibe of like he understands why he keeps getting swapped in and swapped out because he keeps wanting to play a certain way. And it's very clear he's very good at that way. But sometimes it's not always what the team needs. But I I don't know. I've yet to see a glaring moment of where it's like, man, Nuggery really cost his team the game. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I so I want to see if they're able to. I I would still like to see that top jungle midside uh step up for me if they're going to take down genji um i think that's going to be necessary if they're going to beat them in a best of five so uh all right na not the only region to perform pretty much dismally uh overall eu couldn't even get a team out of plans uh so we've got that Plus, we got one. Uh, they did get one, uh, but Fnatic O threed, G two I believe also O threed, um, yes. and Rogue won their first game and then proceeded to drop the next three. So EU going 
one and nine in week two. Literally one oh, yeah. worse than NA's week two. NA had a better week two than EU did, uh, which is not saying a lot. But um, this is important, I feel, because considering where a team like Fnatic was, 2-1, tied up with T1 and EDG, looking pretty strong, by the way. Rogue, 3-0 after week one. Everyone was like, wow, Rogue, now there are dark horse for finals. Da 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 To then only beat uh, Gam, and then drop to top DRX, and then DRX again. And G2 dropping all three games to EG, Damwon, and JDG. I just want to talk about it a little bit because I feel that, yes, it's very easy to meme on NA, but I feel like the expectations for NA were, like, here, and, like, we, like, were below them, but the expectations for EU after week one was, like, more like here, and they just, like, completely dropped out the bottom. So for me, I I think my question to you guys, between... Fnatic and G2, we'll, we'll pass on Rogue because we'll, we'll give them a pass. They made it out of groups. Awesome. But between Fnatic and G2, which team's overall performance was more disappointing for you guys? I guess for me, um, I'd actually have to say G2, believe it or not, because Fnatic in Week 2 is kind of what I expected to see from them the whole tournament. So, like... Even though it is technically a surprise compared to how they performed from uh, play-ins and week one of groups, it's ultimately what I thought the team was going to do the whole time based on what I'd seen in the summer and spring. So, believe it or not, unsurprising. G2, on the other hand, I think has had higher highs this season and is overall, for me, actually a more exciting roster. Um, Like, I'm not really the biggest G2 fan, but I'm a huge fan of this roster. I really liked, uh, you know... Flackett and Targamas is a bot, uh, bot lane duo. I really like Yankos and Caps. Um, and then Broken Blade is actually just such a... He's a really respectably good top laner. So I thought the synergy of this team, uh, the peaks that they had this season, they should have performed way better in uh, in group stage than they did. So I think that's the biggest letdown of EU, in my opinion. Nox, how about yourself? Yeah, uh, I, I'll, I'll probably go with G2, because at least Fnatic did take a game off T1. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm mainly going to mirror Curly's comments. I just... That, that roster is very stacked. They are very good. They have lots of accolades. They should have been able to do more than what they did. I will say... And I've thought about it a little bit, but... I'm like 90% confident that this is probably the hardest group that there has ever been at Worlds. So, just to give G2 and EG a little bit of slack, I think it's probably one of the hardest groups that there has ever been. At the end of the day, though, they're still more disappointing than Fnatic. I still expect, like, this is a team that has had players that have been in the Worlds Finals. This is a team that, over the years, has just been consistently been amazing on the Worlds and international stage. You still have higher expectations, and so for them to go 1-5 and is just utterly... It's just bad. It's not good. So, 
G2 is my answer for that particular question. I think I'm actually going to take the other side and I'm going to say Fnatic. Um, and in part because of... I felt they looked stronger in play-ins than people expected them to be. Um, and then that week one actually looked pretty good. Taking a game off of T1 is no small feat. Um, EDG could only do it the one time themselves. Actually, no. EDG didn't even no, uh, no, the do only, it. only game T1 dropped was 2 Fnatic. What was 2 Fnatic, sorry, yeah. Um, and, I mean, look, it, all you have to do... All you have to do is beat a very bad-looking Cloud9, a Cloud9 that has that completely misread the meta, and all of a sudden you're at three wins, and you have some momentum going into a T1 that you've already beaten, and an EDG that uh, T1 has shown you how to beat already. And I feel like the recipe was there for Fnatic to make a play, for them to make a splash. So for me, just based off of, and I also, yes, it is based off of the week one, but the position that they put themselves in makes it all the more disappointing that they floundered out with this 0-3. G2 for me, on the other hand, I'm not as disappointed, um for a couple reasons. A, I was actually never really high on this roster. Um, I I think it's, like, good, but I, it's not, like, the caliber that the old, like, Wonder, Yankos, Caps, Perks, Mickey roster was, something like that. Um, which I don't, I don't know if EU will ever have, like, another roster as, like, synergized and as talented as that one. It, it's gonna take a long time before we see it again. Um, but merely the fact that they have to go up against JDG, the number one LPL team, and Damwon, a very dominant and experienced Worlds team. Um, for me, the expectations for G2 were simply just lower from the get-go based off of the group that they were put in. So Fnatic, I guess, for me is the more disappointing fall from grace. Um, totally fair. So, let's hit on Rogue real quick. Because I really do want to acknowledge, they looked fantastic in week one. Uh, and then they beat Gam to go up to 4-0. And that's when things started getting interesting. So the, uh, we have to acknowledge the Nasus pick. Um... LS did a whole video breaking down why, in this particular instance, the Nasus pick was very bad. So you can did, go watch that. Did you see Trimby's tweet on that, by the way? Uh, I think I did. Um, Just which, telling everyone to shut the F up. And, like, yeah. Y'all don't know what you're doing. <laughs> which, like, you know, fair enough. Like, if oh, he felt man. it was a good pick at that time, then he felt it was a good pick. Um, but, I mean, I mean, let's be real. Let's say they do something other than the Nasus, who was literally useless, and it, it was literally a 4v5 uh, that entire game. 
Um, and they win that game. We're having an entirely different discussion about Rogue. And maybe about the group as a whole. So... Rogue, I think, still could be a very interesting matchup into JDG, who I think... Oh, you... Oh, okay. I Here's my controversial take. I don't think JDG looked great. I think they looked good at times, but they were not the dominant LPL team that I was led to expect they would be. Uh, and... They were kind of shaky for me. So, I I don't know. If Rogue plays like week one, there's an interesting world happening there. Now, am I going to pick JDG in my pickups? Yes. But. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I was waiting for. <laughs> that's what I was waiting for. Am I, am I taking JDG in like a 3-1? <clears throat> yeah. But uh, I still think Rogue has the potential to do something interesting in that series. Um, talking about Rogue and maybe that group as a whole, really interesting group. You had the classic. There's always one LPL team that busters out. Uh, and this year was Top Esports. Uh, I, I just have to say, I... I haven't really talked about being there for week two. The GAM top esports game live. Oh, dude. I'm oh sure that would have been awesome. It was absolutely oh incredible. God. So you have GAM up ahead. This is a this is a tangent moment. I apologize. You have GAM up ahead. Go for it. Go on it. And the crowd is like, it's full, like, ground swell support behind GAM. It's like, we just want GAM to get a win. Like... And it was, like, every fan for GAM except for the top esports fans, obviously. Who are just, like, sitting there, like, just kind of, like, staring into the middle distance. Uh, Jackie Love steals the Elder Dragon. I believe it was, I believe it was Jackie Love. Yeah, it was Jackie Love. He, he got it with the Lucian Auto. Jackie Love steals the Elder Dragon. The crowd just, like, explodes. And I'm sitting there like, it's over. Gam through at the last possible minute. And Top Esports does what Top Esports does, is they look to close. And it's the most, one of the most incredible, like, five minutes of League of Legends I've ever seen in my life. One of the greatest base defenses you'll ever see. Like, those final five minutes instant classic match to watch they save the nexus they run it down mid they take the game the crowd goes bonkers and just like the gam chance the levi chance during the after the interview incredible moment um yeah, absolutely fantastic. Top Esports busters out, basically thanks to that game. Um, and, 
you know, it, it's the LPL curse. One team will not make it out of groups. This year it was top. So Rogue squeaks <laughs> so, through. Which, which goes back to my original thing of how I always predicted top to win because I never trusted them. Shouldn't so have trusted I, them. I, 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 I got to figure out this pattern, guys. Like, help me figure this pattern out. Because last year, I didn't trust EDG. I kept saying they're going to flounder out in groups or they're going to flounder out in quarters. And they end up winning it, right? I'm like, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Let me try again this year. I do not tr trust top esports. You, in, go check the receipts. I said this back in May. I said it with you guys when we were down in Houston. I've been saying it all summer long. I do not trust top esports. I'm going to predict them to win just because I saw e what happened last year with the EDG. They flounder out in groups. Like, what, what, do, what do I do here? Like, I don't know what the pattern is. Uh, the pattern is just to, like, never get too hyped for a team because, uh, for me, that's kind of what happens with the Bills uh, in the NFL because, like, ultimately, I don't watch football. I never pay attention to football. And for the past three years... I randomly hear about the Bills doing well, and so I pay attention for one week, and they flop. And so it's like, all right, like just just don't even think about the team ever, and in, they might. In that win. case, Curly, they considering I have Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs on my fantasy team. <laughs> yeah, stop watching. Yeah, I need you to stop watching because I'm about to go six and zero after this week. And, Look, uh, all I'm going to say is yesterday was the first and only time I've actually looked at a TV screen when the football game is on, and I didn't even mean to be watching it. It just happened well, to keep, be there. Keep not so. watching the Bills, because Alan Diggs getting 50 points combined every week is leading me to turbo stomp my league right now. Uh, all right, <laughs> EU, any more thoughts on EU before we start talking about quarterfinals real quick? Um, well, when it comes to Rogue, because yeah. I don't think I can oh, go into yes, Rogue yet, I'm actually very comfortable with how Week 2 went, because honestly, uh, the results of the TES game, I think, is just ultimately a bit unfortunate. Game didn't work out to their favor. Um, and I think the uh, what kind of actually ended up happening is I think the second that Gam locked them in, they're like, you know what? Sure, we could get first seed. Or we can use the safety net to experiment just a little bit. Because, like, the comp against DRX for the first match, pretty freaking weird if you ask me. Like, not only you have the NASA support that didn't quite work out, but you also have the Rumble uh, for Odo Omni, which I don't think Rumble Top has been picked much this year at all, period. It's been picked a couple uh, times just like, to, I like, think... try to counter the Aatrox, but that's been about it. Yeah, and so I think they were just like, all right, how experimental can we get now that we know what's going to go on? So I'm not, I'm like, I'm going to take these games um, with a grain of salt and say that they were, you know, seeing their limitations and that they'll be able to learn from this really, really well uh, going into the knockouts. Now, granted, I'm so mad they have to uh, face JDG in the knockouts, like, because, like, Oh my goodness. It's You have my tournament favorite that I have to pick and the team I want to be the most hyped for because they are the only hope of the West. And you have to squash one of those dreams right away. Like, whoever, I need to find the uh, world script writers and we need to have a talk. All right? <laughs> we need to have a talk. Uh, 
But that's, yeah, that's my thought. I'm comfortable with Rogue. The, the last thing I'll say for EU is I, I think, uh, I think the European teams really, really benefited from having figured the meta out. I, I think the moment the other teams like Korea and China, and even to a certain extent North America, we too, uh, once they figured out the meta, Europe looked far and away the worst region in the group stage, in my opinion. So I, I think more than anything, it was just the coaches and their analysts doing a good job of like, hey, this is what the meta is. Once they got it, and they used it that week one, which is exactly what they needed. Because I guarantee you, if they were on the same page as North America, China, or Korea in the week one, it would not have been pretty. It would have been terrible. So congrats to you on uh, being first to the punch. That's yeah. all I really got to say on that, because <laughs> I was not impressed otherwise. Uh, all right. Quarterfinals preview. Let's hit it. All right. Oh, we already know your prediction for uh, JDG versus uh, Rogue, Sandy. 3-1 <laughs> uh, JDG. Uh, Knox, please. Uh, hit me with yours. Uh, I, I'm also going JDG 3-1. Uh, Rogue can have good enough early games to the point of where if they slam hard enough in the early game, JDG won't be able to activate their clutch factor. But if there's any wiggle room for JDG, they will clutch it out. Like, look at that very first uh, game they had versus Damwon, right? That 3v5 recovery fight, like, they'll, they'll pull that kind of crap on you. So, unless Rogue is absolutely dominating the early game, which I think they're good enough to do at least one game, there's no there's no way JDG doesn't close this out. 3-1 or 3-0. I'm personally going 3-1. All right, Curly, how you feeling? <sighs> My Hopium wants to say Rogue, but I do have to stick with the fact that JDG is my uh, tournament favorite to win, so I am going to say it's going to be JDG. However, I do believe that most, if not all, of the matches this weekend are going to be Silver Scrapes, just because NA is hosting, and we had so many Silver Ooh, Scrapes. I, I like so I do take. think Rogue is, going to, Rogue is going to be able to take JDG to Game 5, it's going to be a heartbreaker when they lose. If anything, I'm going to say it now, there's a good chance that it's going to emanate the uh, top esports reverse sweep in 2020 against Fnatic. Where, no, like at the start, Rogue is going to be pulling some crazy stuff, and they get two wins off of it, and all of a sudden, JDG figures it out and gets the next thing. That's what I think is going to happen. That's my script, all right? There That's my script. All right, well, we can take a little bit more time on the next three because we talked about Rogue a fair amount. T1 versus RNG. RNG presumably at the time this matchup happens because it'll be Friday the 21st, likely still recovering from COVID. Um, and to be honest, all the players looked pretty rough on camera. There was one who actually looked pretty okay. It might have been Breathe. It was either Breathe or Way, who only has like a sore throat right now. Uh, I think it was Way. Way, Way. Way was the only one with a sore throat. Uh, so those fellows hope they get better, of course. Um, and maybe they'll test negative and they can get on stage. We would love for that to happen, obviously. But T1 RNG, this could literally be a finals matchup 
and here it is in the quarterfinals. Um, probably in my out of all of these matchups, this one is like the biggest like two heavyweights colliding um, in this tournament. Tough call for me personally. I think T1 looked really, really good in their group. RNG also looked really, really good in their group until they went up against the buzzsaw that was Gen G. And in my estimation, I feel that T1 can pull similar plays as to Genji, which is why I currently have T1 as my pick uh, to win this. But I have it as a 3-2. I'm calling the silver scrapes on this one. Um, so that's where I'm at. So T1, 3-2, that's where I'm landing. Curly hitting you first. T1 versus RNG, where are you landing right now? Um... I'm going to be on the side of RNG. I, most times in international events, lean towards LPL being able to, you know, just surpass LCK teams. Um, granted, that's not the case if you look at how many teams are present, but if there's any, any Korean team uh, that is in quarterfinals that is most susceptible to the LPL, I do think it is T1, uh, believe it or not. So... And I am looking at the historical record of T1 versus RNG. You are right. It is pretty even. But I'm going to refer to MSI like I did. We saw a best of five of them. It was a five-game match. RNG was able to pull it out. So that's uh, that's where I, we're doing statistics-based analysis. Like no narrative-based analysis on this. Nothing trip. ever goes wrong with that. Nothing ever oh, goes no, wrong never. with that. Uh, Knox, how about you? It's funny. I, I, I'm, I'm in the middle here. I'm, I'm the tiebreaker on, on one <laughs> shoulder. I, I, I have Sandy, who is like Korea, T1, believe in them. And I have Curly on this side, who's like, but RNG, bro, five games in MSI and they took it. Like, who are you going to pick? I, I, don't, I don't know. It's, uh, I think if RNG is full, like, recovered, I would go RNG, but I don't think they're going to be fully recovered. I think they're still going to have Fog Brain. I'm going to go T1, and I'm going to say 3-1. All right. All right. I like it. Uh, all right. The Saturday match, Gen G versus Damwon. LCK rivalry. Uh, a region kill, if you will. We will lose a Korean team this weekend. It will happen. Uh, we can have a maximum of three next uh, in semifinals. Tough one to call. I think both teams look good. And Knox, you alluded to how Genji did not like, does not like going up against Damwon. They're kryptonite almost, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, however. And maybe this is some narrative-based analysis for sure. So uh, plug your ears, Curly. You might not want to hear this one. <laughs> uh, just watching Gen G live this weekend. Oh, 
They look like they're back, baby. They looked so good. Um, and legitimately, I am not worried. If Damwon bans Lucian in all five games, I don't care. I think Ruler can take whatever champ you give him and will absolutely dominate. And lest we forget who their mid laner is, it's Chovy. Chovy! Peanut is having a career resurgent year on this roster. Lahens looks very good. Doran looks very good. Domwon did play pretty good in their group. Pretty well. Sorry, proper grammar. But I just have Gen G here. Uh, and I have it. I have it in a 3 1, I would have to say. That's where I'm landing on. This Gen G Damwon matchup. Nox. I know I just brought in a bunch of narrative based analysis. I'm feeling like you've got a difference of opinion though. No, I I I really I really don't. Like everything you say is like spot on. However, I'm still gonna go Damwon because Whoa. I think there's a reason why I, I think there's a reason why Gen G's scared of him. <laughs> like everything you say is absolutely true, but I I think there's a reason. So, I'm going to go with Damwon here. I'm going to be the contrarian. I just... I got a feeling. There, there's, there's been some spice between the Korean players talking amongst each other. Or, like, the Ashley Kang interviews. Like, they, I, I don't know, man. I, I got some faith in the good old shoemaker. He makes some pretty damn good shoes. I think he's going to take them to semis. So, I'm going to go 3-2 in favor of Damwon. I think it's going to be a five-game banger. Dang. Alrighty. Curly close us out on this uh, matchup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't really get why Gen G is so scared of uh, Damwon Kia. I think they're one of the shakier Korean teams at the tournament. Um, and then also on top of that, they won both of their uh, series in the regular summer season. So like, they have nothing to worry about against this Damwon roster at all. It should be. If there was any matchup that's going to go 3-0 this weekend, it is this one. However, I'm still going for the 3-2. Like I said, I'm just going to put it everywhere. 3-2, Gen G. 3-2, Gen G. All right. All right. Some division on the desk here. Say on the desk, like we're on an analyst desk or something. Wait, so we, we've had you two... And then me making the decision maker. Then we've had me and Sandy with Curly making the decision. All right, so now me and Curly have to disagree on this next one. And then Sandy, you can be the the tiebreaker. Well, all right, I'm gonna go last on this one. <laughs> I'm gonna go last. Yeah. Uh, DRX EDG. We're gonna go left to right. Curly, DRX, uh, Deft and the Alpaca Gang versus defending <laughs> world champions EDG. Uh, how are you feeling about this one? Oh, honestly, I think this is the matchup I'm looking forward to most this weekend. Because EDG, defending uh, champions, they definitely have something to prove. They're going to be playing their minds out because every second can mean death, and they have something to show up. Whereas uh, DRX, as I've said before, they've been making their way through play and stomping that, making their way through groups, coming out on top there. They are fired up and riding the hot train to finals. And so I'm I'm giving them 
all of my support, DRX is going to win it out in a very, very exciting five-game series against EDG. Zika will be the MVP. Barrel will be supporting everyone. Everything's going to be so good. It's going to be my favorite series, and I swear to God, if I don't get to catch at least two games, I'm going to be so pissed. Curly, you should (laughs) check your phone. I think the based department is calling. <laughs> uh, not to give away my pick, but Knox, uh, need to hear from you I, next. I think week. we all knew your pick from the very beginning here, so. But it, it's fine. I will. Uh, oh man, so I, I do want to point out Zeus's beard in chat is pointing out that Scout and JJ do have COVID. Um, I heard, or not heard, I read that JJ in particular was struggling very badly with it. Um. Supposedly, the rest of the team is still fine. Man. Like, I... I really, really want to pick EDG, but, like... DRX, man. It's so good. It's so good. Um... No, it's fine. Actually, uh, I'll stick with it. We got we, we we gotta have China. We gotta have China. It's gonna be EDG three two. <laughs> All, right. All right. I gotta let I gotta let Sandy have his moment. I gotta let Sandy have his moment. So I'm gonna pick EDG. It's gonna be three two. Um, and the reason why is this is a championship returning team. Uh, I think as amazing as Zika has been, Scout is still Scout. Scout is incredible. Viper uh, Viper's just nutty, right? Like there's. Far, like him and Ruler are far and away, I think, the best AD carries in the world right now. Um, and I really, really just want to see a Viper versus Ruler matchup in the semifinals. When I'm there in Atlanta, I, that's what I truly want to see. That alone is the reason why I'm predi- predicting EDG 3 2. Let me see that matchup in Atlanta, please. All right. <clears throat> All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. <clears throat> Got the DRX fanboy on, <laughs> on dial. It's DRX, baby! Let's go! You already know how this matchup is gonna happen. Deft. Zika is popping off. Piosik has been flipping that coin and landing on a high-tier performance every single time. Kingen is a rock in the top lane. And all of a sudden... They're playing this Ash Heimerdinger bot lane, and not only did they play it once, but they played it twice. They played it twice, and they played it so well that teams had to start banning Heimerdinger against them. It was that oppressive and that problematic in lane. So all of a sudden, EDG now has to ban Heimerdinger in the first rotation of bans, and like, you know, so let's say EDG's on red side. All of a sudden, you have to ban Yumi and Heimerdinger, two support bands just from the get-go, and all of a sudden, the world opens up. So, DRX, 3-1 over EDG, Deft continues his march towards a finals appearance. You already know how this is going to go. Uh, I just think, for me, EDG, uh, T1 uh, really exposed them pretty hard in their matchups. Um, I do think they're 
They're still a very good team, but I don't think they're at the same level that they were at last year. Uh, I don't know quite... I think they can play this meta pretty well, but I don't think it's like their perfect meta. Um, and I just feel like DRX somehow, against all odds, has a fantastic meta read and is pulling things out that you would never expect a team to pull out. I mean, unless another team figures out an Ash Heimerdinger counter in the next week, then that bot lane is going to be a massive problem for EDG uh, coming into quarterfinals on Sunday. That's the call. DRX 3-1. <laughs> All right. Unironically, so quick callback. Yeah. Unironically, mm -hmm. 2017 Worlds, Rocks Tigers versus T1. I know where you're going with this. Y'all remember the counter to that Ashes Ira bot lane? Yeah, wasn't it Misfortune support? It was Misfortune support. Yeah. So, and here's the thing, like, I don't... Dang, that's like misfortune. a pulling out from the recesses of my brain right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't think Misfortune's going to be pulled out as a sport or anything, but she's been meta enough to be played in the AD carry position, and her passive still should theoretically work on Heimer's turrets, which... I'm just saying it's pretty damn strong, right? So I wouldn't be surprised if that's a counter to this particular Heimerdinger Ash bot lane. All right. I mean, not I'll bad. Believe it when not I see bad. It. Uh, all right. That's the theory. I think this weekend's just going to be super fun altogether, dude. Uh, we've got a couple small things to hit. We've got some NA news. Uh, and even some FlyQuest news. Maybe. Possibly. Possibly. Me. <laughs> Debatably. Potential. Let's start with some of the... Hypothetically speaking. ...big news topics of the day. <coughs> uh, Papa Smithy. His contract ran out with 100 Thieves, and it is not getting renewed. Uh, he has not announced... He does not currently have another position lined up he wrote a very nice goodbye letter to the fans um based off of what he wrote looks like he's gonna start looking for a new esports project to start building i don't know if that's within lcs lec another region entirely maybe a valorant roster he could start putting together um but here's what i will say and you guys can chime in with your opinions as well. Any team that has the opportunity to hire Papa Smithy as their GM and does not do it is making a massive mistake, in my opinion. Um, if you look at the quality of the infrastructure that he built over at 100 Thieves, with their 100 Thieves next squad in amateur 100 thieves academy i mean he cited uh he said in his post uh in the three years of his tenure at 100 thieves 15 <clears throat> players who played on 100 thieves next made it to an academy team and 14 players who played for academy have played in the lcs those are great numbers for an organization and that is 
that should be the cornerstone of his resume. Uh, and like I said, I'll, I'll just repeat it again. An org that has the opportunity to pick this guy up as their GM and passes on it is making a massive mistake. Uh, and I hope this guy is signed to be the GM of a team within the next month. It should be, you know, by the end of November. He should be, you know, hitting offseason hard. So... It was very uh, interesting because he was in the Oracle's Elixir Discord earlier today, and he wasn't necessarily strictly talking about money, but he made it very clear. He's like, I'm not doing it for money. I'm doing it for a chance at doing something great. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. So it's like, if a team, like, from the sounds of it, like, don't get me wrong, you should probably be offering him a hefty bag, but I don't think you have to break the bank to get him. You just have to show, like, hey, Here's what we want to build. Come help us do it. And if he likes it, like he's going to be on board. But you better make a persuasive argument. Curly, any thoughts on the Papa Smithy move? I think it's um, <clears throat> I think it's like the first of a lot of news we're about to receive about Hundred Thieves. Yeah, um, you're right. Because like. He, he does have a legacy at 100 Thieves. I'd say he built them into the championship attending team that we know them as right now. And I hope that his legacy is able to stay behind even in his absence. Um, <laughs> big shoes to fill for whoever is going to be his replacement in the near future. Um, but ultimately, I'd be lying uh, if I didn't say that I was scared for the future of the... Um, team because they've got a team that stayed together for three splits and started wavering. Granted, they still were able to attend um, Worlds two years in a row. They were still able to get uh, to finals uh, three splits in a row, even getting a title. But they are wavering, so definitely going to be moves there. And then ultimately, for me, from the outside, it does look like this season... 100 Thieves League of Legends kind of got the back burner treatment from the org. I feel like they started looking more towards Valorant and content creators and a lot of other things. And so I'm hoping that next season they're able to get a bit more love. And granted, I know that Nadeshot is passionate about every one of his uh, rosters, so it's not his decision per se that it happened. It's just the machinations of the org kind of shifted towards elsewhere. And so hopefully, um, whatever happens over next year, I actually would love to see a resurgence uh, in the power and dominance of Injured Thieves, and I'm hoping that these changes breathe new life into the org. But uh, definitely a lot of news to come, and I'm very, very interested to see the metamorphosis of this team. Yeah, Yeah. before we move on, I'll, I'll just uh, iterate off of something you said. The There was a severe lack of content from 100 Thieves revolving around the LCS team uh, this past split, even really the year as a whole, which I think is very unfortunate when you have a team that won a championship a year ago and then made back-to-back... So, back-to-back-to-back finals and won a championship in one of them, and you're not blowing these guys up as... 
you know, the face of your org. Make worlds, by the way, when your Valorant team... I, now, your Valorant, their Valorant team did make uh, champions, I believe, correct? Yes, uh, they did. They, they dropped out in group stage after yeah. losing the rematch against Fnatic, but uh, well, they didn't do bad per in my Perfect meme. I thought they were okay. 100 Thieves, Valorant, 100 Thieves, League of Legends. Not making it out of groups. Um, <laughs> uh, in this case, I'll give them some credit on their Valorant team. They're they're probably more akin to EG of making yeah. the run from like lower bracket via last chance qualifiers, but yeah, yeah. still, yeah. Uh, so that's Hunter Thieves news, and then the other news is there's not officially confirmed, but rumor has it, scuttlebutt sources. Uh, that LCS is looking to move their broadcast days to from Saturday, Sunday to Wednesday, Thursday. And opinion seems pretty split on how good this is. Um, I think, speaking for me, my weekends are usually pretty packed. So this is actually a better... Uh, this might be a better schedule for me. Because it's just like, it's on a weeknight. I'm home. I'm not, like, doing anything on Wednesday and Thursday nights. Saturday and Saturday late afternoons to nights, I've usually got something going on. Sundays, I've usually got something going on. Um, so I, I think it depends. I I know that they've done a lot of surveys. They looked, it looked into a lot of things. So you might have, like, a vocal part of the ecosystem saying this is really bad i won't be able to watch as much you might have a lot of people who are like i'm in my mid to late 20s now i have friends i go out i do things i'm not and if you're trying to attract a demographic if they're trying to like maintain that demographic that has grown up with league and maintain them which is my demographic right i started playing league and watching league in college when I had no responsibilities besides go to class and eat and sleep, right? <laughs> but now I've got a job, and if I want to hang out with friends, i got to do that on the weekend. The best time for me to watch League is on a Wednesday and Thursday night. Like, that's actually fantastic for, for my schedule. So that's personally for me, but I don't know how you guys feel about this news. I'd love to get your opinions on it. I mean, you, you kind of took words right out of my mouth, right? Talk, like, in terms of their targeting of demographics and whatnot, like, what got League on the map was our generation, right? Our, our particular age group. And so, theoretically, with the age group that we are now, and I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, Sandy. I, I work a 9-to-5 job, and so I, I come home, and it's like, oh, sweet. Now I can watch, like, League at home, and I can, like, decompress for the day. And then I don't have to worry about having to try and keep track during the weekends when I'm actually hanging out with friends or doing errands or whatever else I'm doing, right? Um, I will say, on the other side of this coin, though, you have to consider is one of the pros of having LCS on the weekends is that's when the younger generation does watch. And, I mean, I don't know how much it's inspired up-and-coming possible pro players like, hey... I want to be able to do what they do. Let me join an amateur circuit, and then who knows, maybe one day I'm good enough to join an academy team, and then you get, like, LCS players out of that, right? I don't know what the actual percentage of that is and the actual likelihood of that happening is, but 
at the end of the day, moving it to Wednesday and Thursday nights, I think, does decrease the possibility of that happening, of inspiring future kids who do have this interest of being able to play on a stage just because they simply don't have the time to because oh, they're, they're coming home from school and they're having to do homework and then uh, whatever else kids do after they're done with school, <laughs> I'm sure they don't really... Like, they probably don't want to be watching LCS. They probably want to be, like, actually playing their own games, right? Whereas, yeah. like, I know when I was, like, at that age, it was, like, it's the weekend. I just want to veg and watch LCS, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. There, there's pros and cons to it, right? It's great for our demographic. I don't know how good it's going to be for the younger demographic. And maybe I'm completely off base and I'm completely wrong, but it could harm, like, future inspiration for certain kids wanting to try their hand at getting into the LCS, right? But I may be wrong. No, I think that's a very fair. That's a very fair point. Uh, Curly, how do you feel about it? Uh, I'm also kind of in that mix of like, for me, it does ultimately actually make it more convenient because um, with my job, I work on weekends, and so usually I have to be on VOD for a lot of things, and the only thing I actually get to catch is FlyQuest because I'm like, well, that's what I'm talking about. Whereas now. Um, this might make it easier for me to balance. But ultimately, I think in terms of, especially depending on what time they start the broadcast, there's a good chance that it does drop off um, because I do think weekends just works for the potential length of how long the broadcast can go and making it so that you can start earlier on Sundays because uh, then you can have, like, if there's any delays as you get through all the matches you have to get through, got plenty of time to do everything and people aren't really stressed about staying up late whereas now like people you might have greatly increased viewership for like the first three matches of the day <clears throat> those last two depending on how the rest of the day you might get nothing so like they have to work out the time slots really really well and then also it's like at least in January, you might be competing competing with NFL times in terms of viewership. So it's like it's very it's a little all over the place. It's I think we're not really gonna know how it works out until we see it actually happen. Yeah, and to be fair, this is something that they could do for one split and then roll it back. You know, I mean, they did uh, they did Friday night league. If you guys remember that. And then they also did Monday Night League, and neither of those worked, um, or at least didn't work to the way that they wanted it to, and they rolled it back. Um, they've tried different things, and maybe this is just another thing that they are trying out. Now, here's another thing. Does it make doing a podcast uh, that happens the day after the games <laughs> a little more interesting because I don't know about you guys, but I don't think I'm going to be able to swing a podcast on Friday nights. So we'll I be talking about that. To, yeah. Yeah, we'll be. Now, to be perfectly candid, in my eyes, it's never been that it's fresh after the games. It's just that it perfectly works out on Mondays. I don't think we got to <laughs> no, change probably... our schedule just for the LCS. I think it'll it... work fine. If anything, gives us more time to prepare. Totally. Hell dive and euphoria don't come out until tuesday or wednesday oh, sometimes i'm not so, listening to to dive and euphoria until like thursday afternoon or friday morning so exactly so ultimately don't think it impacts us all too much i think we're going to be able to keep Should our show time and be and be able to still have viable yep. discussion uh all right couple small 
things that came out that I, I think hadn't come out after we talked last week. Uh, tactical, moving on from TSM. Um, were there any other big roster things? I think we... Did we talk about Bjergsen saying he's looking for a team LCS or LEC? I don't know if we talked about that. Um, I don't know that we really need to hit on this too much, but... Um, we can kind of get more into that in our off-season episode, I I personally feel, unless you guys want to go yeah, into it. We, we yeah. can wait for November to talk about a lot but of yeah, that. So. But yeah, just a few... Yeah, it, there isn't really anything crazy new. I think it's just the tactical news. Um, well, and then also, um, Tomo tweeting that he is has been allowed to oh, yeah. uh, looking well, around. Look at this opportunities. Is, yeah, all right, so we'll, we'll jump yeah. into our FlyQuest news, if you will, uh, and then, which is like literally one confirmed thing that's like still up in the air, and then like a massive just like, this is a rumor, um, and then we'll close out for the night because we're going a little over time. Um, I, love, I love how that's how esports is. One confirmed thing that might not be true, yeah. and one rumor it's that's It's like up the there. announcement of the announcement. <laughs> uh, so yes, if you hadn't seen Tomo uh, Academy AD Carry, um, looking for options within the LCS... Uh, I think he said he's looking at Academy, but I think ultimately he would want to take an LCS starting role, um, which I feel like he could definitely find a spot uh, on a team. So there's that. Uh, I would hate to see this guy go. Uh, I think he deserves a legitimate shot on an LCS squad. Um, but, uh, I mean, we'll just see how, kind of how it plays out. Uh, how do you guys feel about this one? Uh, for me personally, always been a big fan of uh, Tomo in Academy for us. I think he's been a good cornerstone for the last couple of years with us. I uh, really liked his performance when we promoted him to the LCS. So I do think with the right people surrounding him, he would be a very solid carry for uh, any team in the LCS, really. So I do, I even if it's not with us. I want to see him have his legitimate shot at the LCS, where he is part of that original roster. Hopefully, he gets to see a split all the way through, unlike most TSM and C9 members did this year. You know, like I hope <clears throat> whoever banks on him gives him his shot. Um, if that's us, and somehow we make the change in the offseason, say, "Hey, Tomo, you're coming up to the big leagues. Going to be wearing FlyQuest. We're going to extend that contract. That's good." If it's not, I hope that whatever team he ends up on treats him well. Yeah, Knox, how do you feel? Yeah, for reasons I don't want to say, uh, I have a feeling Tomo's not going to be with FlyQuest this coming year. Um, I do believe he is LCS quality, and with the way the LCS is currently looking in terms of like uh, money usage and money spending, I think he is a very, very good option for some teams who are going to have to be we're looking toward the rebuilds. Um, 100 Thieves, I think, honestly should look at him. I think TSM should be looking at him. Um, I think Golden Guardians and Immortals should be looking at him. Like, there are multiple teams who I believe really should be, like, offering this guy at least bare minimum tryouts because he's good enough to be in the LCS, and I think he's 
more not someone to necessarily build around, but if you want a supporting player on your roster who's going to get his job done, I think Tomo is the man to do it. So hopefully we see this man in 2023. I just don't think it's going to be part of FlyQuest. There you go. <clears throat> All right, and the final thing, we'll hit on this really fast. There was a rumor, Knox, I don't know if you have this tweet pulled up, but there was a rumor that there are some North American teams scouting around for possible Valorant rosters. Oh, give me two seconds. I can find it. Yeah, for Valorant rosters, <laughs> for the Ascension part, which would be that, that uh like second-tier league that's looking to promote to uh, the major uh, America's uh, franchise partnered league, I suppose. Because I, it's weird, because there's still like relegations, even though it's like initial partners or mm-hmm. whatnot. Um, and FlyQuest is rumored to be one of those teams. However, then the tweet was also like, oh, but it might not be true. Or, or it might have fallen through by now. So, dude, dude, do you want me to send you the Twitter link or? Do you uh, to why don't you just, uh, if you have it up, why don't you just read it real quick? Oh, uh, it's not really a read; it's a graphic. Oh, it's a big graphic. Oh, there's a graphic. It's uh, to to interpret it, what it looks like is a lot of hypothetical, um, hypothetical teams that would be Ross. in the America's Tier Two league. Yeah. Like there's oh, like, I didn't looks see like this. Plan on actually. it. Interest in it. Hang on, yeah. Throw this in. The, um, throw this in the Discord. There, that already exists. Like yeah, there's, there's definitely drop 30, that. There's over thirty teams listed here. Oh, hang on. I'm pull. I'm looking yeah. at this right now. Teams not mentioned are the ones I don't have any info on. Yeah. Okay, but it's uh, yeah, it's a lot of like. Here's the moves. There's a lot of teams I that do not might know be happening in here. Oh, there's FlyQuest. Interest there, in entering. Latin oh, all we have are interest in entering the scene. Oh, great. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Stop That's doing right. this to me. Make I mean, a call. Me, I'm gonna say my quick take, based on the conversations we've had with uh, Nick, af- like before and after interview shows, um, and then just like looking at the scene. I do think this would be the time and the way that FlyQuest gets into Valorant mm-hmm. because it's a I, I would say a safer bet to try and find success and establish yourself than the rockiness it was before this point. Um, and also, I think it would be the perfect opportunity for us to develop the team more because if we get into Valorant and we're able to do it in that safe space where you've got the potential to join the league later, I think we are a very forward-driven team. Um, so that's my quick take on that. My second quick take on that is never trust anything anyone ever says about FlyQuest because for a month everyone was like, FlyQuest is selling their LCS well, spot. And we were silently like, no, they're not. So I don't fair, trust anyone to report on FlyQuest fair, They didn't sell the spot, but the ownership group did sell it to another ownership group. I mean, that's fair, but that's a weird asterisk. My point is, I don't trust anyone to cover FlyQuest properly until the real news drops. <laughs> Uh, Which will probably be right after this podcast, like they. Oh yeah, <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow yeah, morning. Sonica, let us know. <laughs> Tell us, be like he. Eight a.m. There's the post. <laughs> Welcome, FlyQuest Valorant. Uh, all right. Any final <laughs> topics before I hit the closing bell? Uh, I think this is probably 
as, as, as much as it sucks because there's only one Western team and I don't have faith in this Western team, this is probably the closest mm-hmm. quarterfinals that Worlds has had in a long, long time. And I'm very, very excited to watch these matches. I can legitimately see outside of the JDG Rogue One, like, any of these teams taking it. Curly, how about you? Man, Worlds is so cool, bro. It is. I freaking love Worlds. And I... I'm very jealous you were in the crowd for this weekend because also based on like w- the broadcast I was able to catch, I really do think the week two crowd was way more into week it. Week two crowd was great. So yeah, world, worlds, worlds is awesome. I'm very hype. Things are cool. I can't wait to see more. Sure. Alrighty, uh, thank you everybody for tuning in to the 32nd episode of this season of Flight Check. Worlds continues Thursday through Sunday. Four banger matchups, starting with JDG and Rogue on Thursday. Uh, be sure to follow all of us on Twitter for our news, thoughts, and random life happenings. Who knows what you're going to find on our Twitter. You can follow the show at Flight Check Crew for all your show news and other memes. Uh, myself at SantosDB, Knox at Knoxwar with two R's. And Curly at Curly underscore double Q underscore. Make sure to hop into the Flight Check Discord as well uh, for all esports discussion, uh, fantasy LCS, food posts, venting, what have you. It's all in there. Uh, and if you missed any part of this episode, the VOD will be up on YouTube tonight or tomorrow morning. Uh, if you're watching that and would like to catch the show live, we broadcast the episode usually every Monday night usually at 8 p.m. Eastern Time right here at twitch.tv slash flightcheckcrew. Knox, any final notes, shoutouts, or plugs before we wrap up? Uh, one happy belated birthday to Mr. Curly Q. Oh, I here. almost uh, forgot! Yeah, gotta, gotta get that in at the very, very end real quick. Uh, happy belated birthday. Thank you, thank you. Uh, hopefully, uh, thank you. Your, your Twitter looked like you had a good day, so I'm glad you had a good day. Hope you had a good day. Yes, I did, dude. Oh my goodness. That was only like 20 seconds of the whole day. That bird <laughs> was the most painful experience of my life, though. Yeah, go, go check out Curly's it, Twitter. I, it, that's, a, that's a good plug right there. Don't elaborate anymore. Let the viewers wonder. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. Go check out Curly's That's Twitter. Fair. All I will it. say is that is the most American you will ever see me be in my entire life, and it will not be happening. There you go. Again. It's. <laughs> uh, all right, Curly. How about you? Um, I mean, closing uh, closing thoughts is. You know, I don't really have have any big shoutouts like. I guess actually shout out to the fact that this week we were able to just get everything together normal time not what time are we doing the show just like yeah all right work as usual so shout out to perfect schedules normalcy what is this (laughs) consistent scheduling whoa right absolutely crazy uh all right for me what's the shout out gonna be this week uh Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs carrying my fantasy team. Uh, that's gonna be it's gonna be the shout out this week. That oh I, I I'll add one more thing. Um, obviously with the huge hundred thieves news, go go listen to hundred talk pod. Uh, they're gonna have a lot to say about Papa Smithy's departure as well as the league teams league ending uh, day of worlds. Yep, for sure. You hit them up. 
Uh, they should be on pretty soon. Pretty soon, actually. Probably in about five minutes, I think. Yeah, about five minutes. Uh, all right. We will be back next week to discuss the end of quarterfinals, discuss semis, and any new LCS or FlyQuest news that comes up in the week following, maybe a Valorant team. So for now, I'll just say stay safe out there. Don't forget to hit the head on the nail, and we'll see you all very, very soon. Adios. Have a good one, guys. Peace, y'all.